made a little mistake on that. It should be abide for fruitfulness, which is something that we do for the cause of Christ. Have you ever, how many people are, are, have a green thumb? How many people are able to grow things? I think it's an art to grow things. I'm going to walk over here just for a second. The cool thing is that we can recognize that God has a green thumb, right? No doubt about it. The reason why I'm doing this is in the passage, uh, before I get going, in the passage, the word abide is in there ten times. I think God wants us to understand that we need to abide, right? I mean, ten times he hits abide, 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 abide. And today we're going to go through a little bit of a word study so that we understand the meaning of the words. Because I think sometimes when we read scripture or we hear scripture, it becomes so familiar to us, it kind of just go, comes and goes and not one hour of the other because we've heard it before, right? And we really haven't had taken the time to really meditate on what is the emphasis that God's have. How many times do you go through your Bible and recognize an exclamation point? You know, I mean, sometimes we just read to read or we read because we have to. We're here this morning for some of us because this is what we have to do or we're up and doing. We just, we become creatures of habit. And I think sometimes when we get to the word, I think sometimes that could be a negative, right? Because we've been in it so much. And sometimes it takes to, to sort of get a pause. So I, I thought of how do you really talk about um, abide? And so what I did today is, and this was something that I learned, and when I learned it, it, it kind of changed the way I drink tea. How many are tea drinkers? Here's a great thing about tea, right? And so I got some hot water here, and I got some honey in here. And the one thing I know about tea drinkers, it says a lot about how, what kind of tea drinker you are by how you deal with the tea bag. You ever thought about that? Some people... Oop, there's my... St- my knife. Some people, they put the tea bag in and they just let it sit there, right? And it stays in their cup the whole time. I went to somebody's house once and we were sitting there and they asked me if I wanted some tea. I said, oh, I love tea. And so they gave me the tea and it was a test. And so when I took the tea, I normally did what I always did, right? I put the tea bag in there and then I take the tea bag and I do this, right? I dip it in and out. And when I was done, I took it out and put it down. And they said, well, we may have an issue. And I said, why? He says, she said to me, uh, you could tell a lot about a person's spirituality by how they drink tea. <laughs> because when you put the tea bag in there, you let it abide in the water, and you're dipping in and dipping out. A lot of people do that with God, right? They dip into God, and they dip out of God. They get the flavor. They get what they want, and then they're on their own merry thing, and they don't abide. See, now it's driving me crazy because I want to pull a tea bag out. But it is true. It is true that when you get, you know, uh, when, what the word says is, when you look at the word, it comes from the Greek word meno, right? And so I think it's up there on the slide, isn't it? Is it yeah. Which means to stay in a given place, state, relationship, dwell with, or really just to hang out, right? To, to abide, to stay in there, to experience the interaction, right? Not dip in and dip out, get what you want when you need it and go on your merry way. It's really about staying in there. It's abiding. Think about this, when you were married or before you got married, when you dated your wife, if you only met her for two hours a week or an hour a week, would you have gotten married? Would you have gotten to know each other well enough to know that this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? But how often do we do that with God? 
Show up on Sunday for a couple hours, and boom, we live life the way we want to live it the rest of the week. Because we're not abiding. We're not daily into what he has for us and how he wants to show us. It's about remaining connected to the proper orientation or source is what the word really stands out. And for him to mention it 10 times, God's saying this is important. When Hudson Taylor was staying in the home of a friend on occasion, the host asked him, but are you always conscious of abiding in Christ? It was a great question. I love his answer. He said, while sleeping last night, did I cease to abide in your home because I was unconscious of the fact? We should never be conscious of not abiding in Christ. Isn't that true? The minute we realize we're not abiding, we're in trouble. And the Bible says that we won't bear any fruit. And that's the purpose of abiding. It's interesting because there's a parallel passage with Paul, and I'm going to hit this really quick. Go in your Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 12 real quick because this tells me that Paul got the concept of abiding, that Paul knew what Jesus was saying in chapter 15 applied to him, a first century believer. And here's what he says. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. There's some key things in this passage I think you need to pull out and really understand. To me, the first part in verse 9, it says that, so that you may be filled with knowledge of his will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, abiding means you get to know God's will for your life. You know you're abiding when God's will is very apparent to you. So it's asking that you may be filled with the knowledge, right? It's sort of relinquishing your life to His will because of His wisdom. Right? He designed life, right? comes back to that passage in Proverbs that, you know, uh, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. In other words, when you're abiding in God, He takes care of the heavy lifting in your life. You just got to trust Him for it. You got to relinquish to His will and not your own thoughts. It also speaks of, if you know God's will, it tells you how we should walk in life, right? Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To me, if you're abiding, you know you're going to be abiding because part of the fruit is when you walk, you're walking in His will because of the presence you spent with Him. It's interesting because, you know, James talks about this when he says you need to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And all too often, I think for believers, we get too familiar with the words of God. I, I, I love the story of this. It was a broad, true story back in the 1930s. It was a Broadway actor. He was the famous actor of the time. And they were getting ready to do his big play, and it was getting ready to start. And there was a fire in the back. It was in containment. So the, the producer said, hey, listen, can you go out on stage and ask everybody to leave for a moment and then to come back in just in case something happens and it starts up again? So the actor went on stage, went in front of the curtain, started talking to the whole audience, pleading with them to leave. And they thought he was acting and they were applauding. And he thought, you know, they're not listening to me. They think I'm acting. So he got down on his knees and he begged them and he did it with heartfelt emotion. And then everybody gave him a standing ovation and yelled, bravo, bravo, because they thought he was acting. 
Here's the thing. I think sometimes we come to church on Sunday and we hear a message and we hear God speaking and from our seats we go, bravo, 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 but we have no intention of doing anything that's said. Because we're not abiding. We don't know God's will. We just know we're supposed to be here or this is what we've always done or I have to be here. Some kids are that way. But we don't recognize the fact that God doesn't speak to us in his truth. He doesn't emphasize words like abide, abide, abide because he knows how important it is for you to abide in order to produce fruit. And fruit is knowing his will and then walking in his will and doing his will in the world all around us. And here's the benefit of it in the passage. It says that in verse 10, so that uh, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience. See, when you walk in his will, guess what it delivers? Wisdom. Wisdom. To me, I think the, the, the key to that is that we have to understand that you know, we can't just look at it and say, oh, he's a good preacher. He kept my attention. Oh, he made me laugh. Big criteria for rating pastors today. He made me laugh. Oh, I didn't doze off. Here's a clue for everybody. If you can see me, I can see you. So when you fall asleep, just know that it doesn't do anything for the rest of my message when you're sleeping. But it really doesn't matter how good the message is if we're not going to do what the message says. Because when we do what the message says, we get wisdom for realizing how wise God was for him to reveal his will and empower me to walk in it so that I can really understand his truth in a real practical way. To me, I think it's important abiding because abiding is going to give me God's will, help me how to walk, and then gives me the wisdom to do that. That word wisdom is epikinosis, right? So if you go to that next slide, I think it is. And it really means knowledge gained through firsthand relationship. It's not something that's, it's not content. It's not knowing something in your mind. It's, a, it's knowing it experientially, right? So like, for example, when God said that uh, um, uh, Adam knew Eve, it wasn't that he knew her. It was they had a relationship. They had, uh, uh, they had sexual relationship to have children, right? To be fruitful. And so it's this knowledge of knowing in a way that's experiential, not just content. Think about it. When we use phrases in scripture like the fruit of the womb, I'm not talking about underwear, fruit of the womb, right? That's children, right? That's the fruit of the womb. How about the fruit of your hands, the labor you bring to things, right? Fruit is what you do with your hands. How about, here's one, the fruit of your lips for all you that don't sing, Fruit of your lips is praise unto God, right? It's the fruit of my lips up to heaven. So when I'm singing, that's praises, that's fruit from the outpouring of my heart because I know it's God's will for my life. I'm going to walk and then I'm going to praise God in song because he is worthy of our praise. And then when I do so, that experience makes me realize how awesome God is and how blessed I am to be able to sing about him. Abide. To me, have you ever been on a treadmill? You guys on a treadmill? Treadmills are great for exercise, I get that. But if you're trying to go someplace on a treadmill, you're going to go nowhere. 
You're going to jump on that thing, you're going to work real hard, and you're going nowhere. And sometimes I think that's how it is when we're not willing to abide and do it. We're on a treadmill, we're going nowhere, but we feel good because we're getting exercise. To me, I think to me, if we preach a sermon without abiding in Christ, it's a 40-minute trip to nowhere. It'll make no progress. Won't produce any results. To teach a class without abiding in Christ is a one-hour trip to nowhere. To witness to somebody without abiding in his promise is going to go nowhere. To work in the children's ministry without abiding abiding is going to mean you're just babysitting. It's not a ministry. You may post something real spiritual online, but if it gets likes and comments, you're happy. But what God, most of all, wants to be connected to you so that you understand his truth and his promises in a real way that makes a true difference in people's lives. So if we want to make a difference as a church, we have to abide individually with Christ. So I want you to think about this, because I think this is the main emphasis of this whole passage. And if we can grasp this one truth, it will change your life. Think about this. If I'm willing to be Christ, to Christ, what Christ was to his Father, then Christ will be to me what the Father was to him. Isn't that awesome? If I'm willing to be to Christ what Christ was to his Father, then Christ will be to me what his Father was to him. And here it says he's the vine dresser. Isn't that cool? What does the, what does the vine dresser do? He's the gardener. He's the, he, he takes care of the garden. He's making sure the vine has everything it needs so that his branches can grow and produce fruit. It's kind of a cool thing to think about it. See, the vine is a picture of the grapevine here. And so when we look at that, it's in, in the past, the vine has been, it symbolizes, been symbolized different things. In the past, it symbolized Israel. In Isaiah 5, 2, it said, what, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? It's, God is speaking to the nation of Israel and their disobedience after he showered them with all his abundant blessings. And l- later on, it talks about that when they... Uh, you know, understand that, that God couldn't do enough for his people. They wanted more and more and more. They were never satisfied with just what being with God. So you have this past vine. Then you have a future vine, which is, you know, speaks to the Gentile nations who reject God in the end times. And it's in Revelations 14, 18. It says, another angel came out from the altar. The angel was the authority over fire, and he called with a loud voice to the one who had a sharp sickle. And put your sickle, gather the clusters from the vine on earth, for its grapes are ripe. When you read this passage, it's about being judgment. These This vineyard is that which is of the earth, and it's bringing that sickle along. And when they go into these grapes and they crush them, in the, in the wine press, it spits out blood, the blood of judgment. Did you ever wonder why in the, the um, Battle Hymn of the Republic, it talks about where the grapes of wrath are stored? It's a reference to this judgment. The grapes of wrath, you have the past, the grapes of judgment, but now we have this present vine that God is talking about, which is really important from, and it says it's the true vine. I mean, it's the, really the one and only it's Jesus Christ, right? He is the vine. As believers, we're invited to abide in him. As unbelievers, I, I think that when we think about it, are unattached from the vine, they're attached to the world, right? 
the synthetic, the duplicate. We, on the other hand, are attached to the vine. It also has branches on it. That's the other key word here, right? Branches. We're branches. Anybody that believes in Jesus Christ is grafted in a vine as a branch. Now, branches can't, you know, if you walk through the, the, the woods and see branches laying on the ground, are any of them fruitful? You see any buds growing on any of those branches? No, because they're dead. There's a possibility to be a believer in Christ and show no fruit, right? That's what the passage says. Because if you're not connected to the vine, a branch unto itself cannot produce fruit. You can't will fruit to come out. You can't go, fruit. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) The only way you get fruit is being connected to the source that brings the fruit out. And that's Jesus. Fruit is the word used to describe the effects of abiding in Christ. In other words, when you abide in Christ, fruit just happens. Because it's him that produces it. It's him that drives it. Paul understood this, Romans 7, 4. It says, likewise, my brother, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit of God. In other words, salvation, the byproduct of salvation, is for us to produce fruit. We're to be fruit Christians. Fruit generators. So when you think about it, we must be fruitful. From the vine, we look at grapes and we say, okay, that's kind of cool, right? Think about fruit for a second. And fruit is visible, right? When you see a plant, there's fruit on it. It's visible. It's something to be seen. There isn't invisible fruit, right? In other words, to be fruitful, it's got to be something that people are able to see in your life. Two, fruit displays the nature of the vine. On a grapevine, you don't see acorns, you don't see olives, you don't see other kind of berries, you see grapes. On apple trees, you see apples. On pear trees, you see pears. You don't see the crossover. In other words, the fruit of the vine is a byproduct of, the, of, of what the vine is all about. The nature of the vine So when Jesus, the interesting thing about that is that Jesus used some passages of Scripture to kind of talk to abiding without saying abide when he says, hey, you know, if you're in me, you'll thirst no more. Why? Because what he's talking about comes from the vine. You'll hunger no more because he gives you everything you need, right? You'll hear, you'll see because the vine enables all that through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of interesting that fruit also doesn't exist for itself. It exists for others, right? Fruit of the tree is not for the tree. It's for everybody to partake of that, right? Our fruit as believers is meant for the body. It's meant for the unbeliever. It's meant to be experienced by the rest of the world so that they can taste and see the goodness of God. Make sense? which is why we abide. Fruit is meant to be consumed. This is interesting. It's meant to be consumed. The only fruit that eats itself is fruit that's rotten. 
Otherwise, it's meant to be consumed by someone else. It's not for itself. But when it stays but within itself and it hangs on the vine and doesn't get utilized, it gets rotten, doesn't it? Have you ever looked at rotten fruit? It's really grotesque. It's amazing when you look at root fruit when it's right, how appealing it is, right? Wait a few weeks and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I went to Home Two Sweets this week. I was down in uh, Lafayette and I pulled in Home Two Sweets and I got in there and they always have these great apples in front. And they were out of apples. So I went and they said, oh, we got some bananas over there. When I went into the bananas, the bananas were all brown. Who likes brown apples? I mean, <coughs> brown bananas. Nobody. They were rotten. <coughs> they were rotten. <coughs> Fruit is meant to be consumed. That's why God produces it, for the benefit of others. Not necessarily for you, but for the benefit of others. And last but not least, fruit cannot be manufactured. You can't do it in the lab. It's a natural process. It's a process of being connected to the vine. All too often in my house, you see, we have this little thing. We have a, all these plastic fruit apples and everything. They look really good, but they're not really fruit. A lot of that's true for us because we don't abide in God. We got plastic fruit. We look good. It doesn't nourish anybody. And it doesn't fool the vine dresser either. I think we have to understand that fruit in this passage, what I love about it, it's a progressive understanding of fruit. It starts off with there's fruit, then later on it, it talks about pruning, which Jason talked about, and then there's more fruit, and then later on he says there's much fruit, and then there's remaining fruit. There's this progression of as you work and abide, there's going to be more and more and more fruit. I wonder in your life, if you look this morning, how fruitful are you? Do people find you appetizing? And I'm not talking in a weird way. But they find that what you do in the effervescence of your life that is something that they want to partake of, something they want to bite into symbolically because of who you are. That doesn't mean everything that you do is good because sometimes, the, sometimes some good fruit is something that's difficult and it will help you grow and challenge you. It's amazing though. I don't think we really evaluate that very much. See, I think that it speaks more, not only to understand the will, the walk, and the wisdom, I think it should drive what we do. And that one verse, Colossians 1.10, that says, So as walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, does a couple things. It says a couple things. It should say something about our character, right? Walk in a manner worthy to the Lord. Our character should be shaped by how much we abide. And you can tell a lot about a people of their character by if they're really spending time with God. I love this. Patrick Morley said, asked, when asked, why do, you follow, follow, why do you follow Jesus? And here's what he said. The American gospel has evolved into a gospel of addition without subtraction. It's a belief that we can add Christ to our lives, but not subtract sin. It is a change in belief Without a change in behavior. You know why? Because we're not abiding. And we really don't know God's will. And sometimes I don't know if we care about God's will because we got what we want to get done and we got what we want. We got our agenda. Not necessarily God's. See, if our character's right, it's going to drive our content. In that same passage, it says, you know, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. When we're walking in his will, 
and we're walking in character from abiding, did you ever think about it? That is fruit to God. He's pleased with you. He's pleased with how you're living your life and the things that you're doing. You're a doer of the word. But the last one is one I like the most of that passage. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. In other words, abiding is going to shape your character that dictates your content because how a man thinketh so he is. But then when you do that, you're going to make a contribution to others around you. Ultimately, that's the point of abiding in Christ. It affects you. You feel the fruit of that, the relationship so much so that you go out and you can pour out your life to others as Christ poured out his life to each and every one of us. See, here's the thing I learned about grapevines, which is kind of cool. Can you show this next slide? Um, my sister, uh, my youngest sister, when she got married, she got married out in uh, Napa Valley. How many people have been out to Napa Valley? Vineyards everywhere, right? She got married at, uh, I think his name was Mike McDonald. He was the lead singer for the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> don't act like you don't know who the Doobie Brothers are. Come on. So she got married at his vineyard and all these vines, and it was really cool. But here's some things about, about um, the vineyard, right? When you grow a, a, a vine, you, you, you plant it in the ground, and then you put it on a post, and you guide it up the post, and then you have post, 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 and you put these wires across there. Sometimes it's wood, and then you string it so it grows along the post, up high, off the ground. Left to itself, grape uh, vines would grow right on the ground and they would produce no fruit because they get caught up in the soil, they get molded, animals are able to get at them, and insects, right? And so they, naturally, they want to be on the ground. Isn't that true with us? We naturally like to be on the ground. It's amazing, the vine dresser picks up the vine, trains it to go up the pole, trains it to go along the thing, and here's the thing that happens that I thought was really interesting. They don't want any grapevine to grow grapes for a couple years. The reason being is the vine wouldn't be strong enough to support the clusters of grapes. I brought a cluster of grapes to make sure I can get the point across. A cluster of grapes, pretty heavy. You ever see a vine? If the vine isn't strong enough to hold the cluster of grapes, it'll eventually kill the vine. Isn't that interesting? Here's the other thing I learned about it that I thought was really cool. When the vine's growing up, it has these things that start to sprout up at the base and up the the initial part of the vine, and they're called sucker shoots. They're little shoots that spring up, and these sucker shoots will never produce fruit. They'll suck the nutrients out of the vine and rob it from really making really rich, big grapes. So for the first two years, the wine dresser has to make sure that he's taking care of the vines to make sure it gets up and it's in a position to make fruit. It's pruning it all the time for the first couple of years so it doesn't deliver fruit because when he does that, it'll make it more fruitful when it actually does. And then it takes these sucker shoots and it cuts them off all the time because he realizes it's going to rob the vine of its nutrients and he's taking care of it. To me, what an awesome picture when you think about it. How much God's paying attention to what's going on here. Think about this. Left to ourselves, we'd all be in the dirt. 
and we, you know, wouldn't come out of the dirt. It's amazing how it had to be lifted up so it could receive the sun so that it would grow and nurture and produce greater fruit. Isn't that true with us? When we lift up the vine, Jesus Christ, we get the benefits of doing so, and it makes us to be more fruitful. And those sucker shoots that you've got to cut out, otherwise it'll rob the vine, man, we have, they're natural with the plant, but they have to be addressed. How many of us have sucker shoots in our life? Things that aren't bad, but will rob us of what's better, like we've talked about. How about TV? TV can be a sucker shoot for a lot of people. Spending too much time on it, watching the wrong things. Facebook could be a sucker shoot. Relationships could be a sucker shoot. Work can be a sucker shoot. Money could be a sucker shoot. How many things in our lives do we don't recognize when God's trying to prune us to get us to a place where we can be more fruitful, when we can be really attractive to eat? This is tough for me because normally when I eat grapes, my wife's feeding them to me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I want you to think about that for a minute, though. To me, one of the things it says in the instructions, which I was amazed at, it said, don't be afraid to remove at least 90% of the previous season's growth. This will ensure a higher quality product. Remember, this is what it says, right out of a, not a religious site, this is how to grow grapevines. The more you prune, the more grapes you'll have. Isn't that interesting? And how often do we get upset with God because he's doing things in our lives and pruning us because he doesn't, we don't realize and we don't recognize he's trying to make us more fruitful. Here's the thing. You may miss the whole thing. It says, apart from him, you can produce no fruit. In other words, he's saying you got no choice. If you're with me, fruit will just happen. It's a byproduct of being in the vine. It's a byproduct of knowing me. Fruit will just happen. I want to ask you this morning, as I close, have you ever really thought about that? Are you really abiding? Let me ask you this morning, do you really understand God's will for your life? Really understand it. Because when you abide, it's clear. You, understand, you may not like it sometimes. I'm sure when Billy and Amy wrestled with leaving, that's not an easy thing to do. But when it's clear, it's amazing what kind of confidence it gives you to walk in it, no matter how difficult it is. To me, nothing of eternal value is going to be easy. But knowing that the vine dresser is always tending the vine and that the vine itself is where we get all our life uh, nutrients and everything that we need to, to be fruitful in life, it kind of takes the pressure off of us. It just means I've got to abide. But if I don't abide, there'll be no fruit And a lot of Christians can manufacture their own. They can look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're rotten fruit. They've got nothing to show because they don't understand it. They have no love, no joy. They're not long-suffering. They're not willing to work through difficult issues. They're not willing to, you know, go through the pruning in order for God to do the work to make them grow.
Did you get that? In order to do the work, God's doing the work to make us grow. All he asks us to do is abide and produce fruit that he does. See, it makes a whole difference when now you look at Ephesians chapter 2, right? We know that uh, we're saved by grace, not through, I mean, we're saved by faith through grace, right? Not by works so no man could boast. But verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that awesome? He was planning for you to be fruitful before you even recognized who he was, before you were ever part of the vine. To me, that's awesome. So the question for us this morning, are we dipping and dip out Christians? We go to God when we need him, and when we don't, we're on our own merry way doing our own thing. And if somebody looks at our lives, as our lives are such a place where you can't tell the difference between us and the world by how we live, what we do, where we go, and the things we say and how we talk. Because what's inside, the Bible says, does come out, right? To me, it does. Or are we living in the dirt, not lifting up the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all, and we're just satisfied with living with the meager existence as this world gives us, not realizing how important it is to lift God up, praise his name, because in doing so, I'll be blessed. And others will be blessed on how God works in my life. You know, we, wanna, we can invite 2,000 people to Easter service, but if we're not abiding with Christ, it's going to be meaningless. Abide. If you're not abiding in Christ, there's no shame in it. We all go through those valleys. The key is to recognize that. Hudson Taylor says, hey, a Christian should never be conscious of not abiding with Christ. But when we are, it should mean a rapid response to turn around and come back and embrace the vine in order to get the fruit. Right? Because without the vine, without being connected, we can produce nothing on our own. Nothing. That should make us all think, man, am I really abiding? And that's the challenge for you this morning. Am I really abiding? Am I to Christ what Christ was to the Father? And if so, Christ will be to me what the Father was to him. Man, think about that. Think about that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your repetitiveness and making sure that we understand that what we need to do as believers is to abide. Lord, I, I often feel like sometimes we, we go through the motions. Sometimes we do what we do. We're not really looking for something to change us or transform us. We're just looking to keep on keeping on. Lord, I'd ask this morning if anyone here Lord, doesn't know you, has never abided with you. Lord, they would just recognize that without you, there's nothing of eternal value in their life. And Lord, I'd ask that they would just come down front with me and I'd walk them through how to know you. But for all of us, Lord, who know you, if we haven't been abiding, I'd ask, Lord, that we just have your spirit of conviction fall upon us today that we would leave here and not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that we would go and abide in your truth and your love, that we may know your will 
and walk in it and reap the benefits of the wisdom that comes from that. That it would change our character and our conduct so that we may be people who contribute to the world around us for the glory of your name. Lord, I'd ask that your spirit reign now as we just sing to you. And it's your precious name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.